Welcome to the Student of Human Moves podcast. Josh Marks here. I am your host. I am really excited today. Let me just tell you something. First of all, the, my, the gentleman I have on today, I'm going to let him introduce himself. Usually I do a big introduction, but I'm going to let this gentleman introduce himself. He is not easy to, to lock down for something like this because he is in demand as a speaker, as an entrepreneur, as a fellow businessman, as a business development guru. And the one thing I want to point out about his background, I love what's on his LinkedIn profile. It just says connector, conversationalist, coach, and speaker, which sums it all up. And I'm sure we'll get into all those areas. But without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Matthew Blank. Maddie. My man, how are we doing, I'm Josh? I'm doing great, buddy. I can't thank you enough for uh, jumping on today and uh, going to share some great wisdom with our audience and i'll let you kind of introduce yourself and tell people who you are and what you do and who you work for cool i appreciate it thanks for having me today um, definitely you know as 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 being one of my first podcasts you know I, I look back on my dj days so i started this whole business development uh when i was 14 my first job uh was on saturday mornings i was hired uh to show up in an office building in ben salem pa where I would uh, sell newspaper subscriptions to uh, people via telephone. So I was a tele- you know, telemarketer, um, and I was on the phone all day long selling newspaper subscriptions. And I figured out early in life that I really loved the ability to connect with someone uh, quickly and find out what motivates them. And um, when I was 14, that was my, one of my first jobs. Now, how that translated into today was uh, I, I come from the hospitality background, so I ran a DJ company for a long time. And I knew the, the, the concept of taking care of people meant, you know, them trusting you for their event when I was a DJ. And there's no different now today. So currently I am uh, the director of business development for Freeman LLP. Uh, we are around 600 or so employees um, based out of New York. I work out of our Philadelphia office and we're an accounting advisory for accounting needs. And my job is to help position the partners who have the expertise, the skill sets, uh, with the uh, clients to make sure that they're a good match. So connecting is, is really in my blood since I've been 14. So what's interesting is, and maybe you could speak on this for a couple minutes, um, you, would, I, you wouldn't think that an a, uh, accounting advisory firm would have a business development director because traditionally, you know, law firms, accounting firms, financial advisors, we're a little, as a group, we're a little slower to adapt to these marketing concepts and ideas to have someone in-house that can drive business. So kind of how did, how did that come about for you to get this position? Yeah, it's, uh, it's a great point because you're, you're right. A lot of, um, you know, the firms, when they, when they think about their own growth, you know, they're all been, you know, uh, trained financially through accounting or, or financial degrees. And I think the having the foresight of having someone come in and uh, not have that background, to be able to look at it through a new set of eyes, uh, of how to connect with people to ultimately, you know, serve the community, serve their clients better. So uh, how it started was actually in 2016, I was working for an event marketing agency where I was traveling the country. And, and, and my job was to get uh, Fortune 500 companies to outsource their event marketing to the agency that I worked for. Um, my wife uh, was pregnant at the time with our first daughter. And, um, you know, she said to me, she said, Matt, do you want to be the dad that's on the road so much? To where you know you're you're kissing your daughter on the forehead on Sunday night and coming back on Wednesday, you know, and it really uh, this was a big moment in my life of of where my career was going. 
um, and what was important to me. So uh, I started thinking about what is the next chapter of, you know, Matt Blank look like, if you will. And, you know, really what came down to it was having a great network of people. So a, a mutual friend of ours, Josh, actually, uh, Matt Bigel, said, yeah. hey, Matt, you know, I, I know you're looking about something different. Um, Friedman uh, just integrated with a firm in Philadelphia. Though we've had a South Jersey presence for about 10 years at the time, uh, we have a new Philadelphia office, and they're looking for someone to come in and help speed up the efforts of Friedman marketing in the Philadelphia market. And considering you have such a big network of people, I think they're going to want to talk to you. So this is a funny story because at the time, I was actually thinking about starting my own business development consulting agency. So I said this would be great. So I, I positioned myself in front of Friedman as a potential consultant. So I walked into the boardroom. And I never forget this day. I thought this was going to be my first, you know, account landing as a as a new, you know, consulting agency. So I came in, and I, I provided everyone, all the all the um, board members, an agenda of what we were going to cover in this meeting, of how I was going to help them grow Friedman in Philadelphia. And the managing partner laughed and looked over at the other managing partner and said, "I've never had a job interviewee give me the agenda for what the job interview was going to be." <laughs> That's great. I love that. Yeah. So I sat back and I said, "Wait, this is a job interview." And they said, "Yeah." And then. You know, we had a nice laugh, but overall, I think the the concept of having someone come in um, and help the accountant see uh, how to uh, uh, translate the value they bring to CFOs and business owners uh, in a communication way was a very, very good foresight for them. That's great. And that's a that's a cool lesson of that story that you just shared with us that, you know, you never know what could happen. Your you were your mindset was geared toward that meeting being one thing and it turned out to be something completely different and yet it led to a great result so, yeah and you're right you're right josh the, the the sometimes we think in 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 life of you know here's what my angle is or here's what my perception is and walking into it and not having the ability to adapt um you know in that in that moment uh, uh, an example of where i failed in that in life actually i love to cook one thing i love to do is cook and in 2000 and 13, yeah, 2013, my mom calls me one day and I was, I was, I was working for an event production company at the time. She says, Hey Matt, I just got an email that, that the show MasterChef is coming to Philadelphia. You should try out. And, you know, considering my background working in events, I've been around a lot of great chefs. I've seen a lot of great meals put together at different you know, events I've been to. Um, so I said, yeah, sure. Let me try out. So I had this goal of getting on this TV show, MasterChef. Have you seen it? I have. Yep. So, uh, so the auditions are in Philadelphia. Um, it's at the Double Tree on Broad Street. I show up in my nice, you know, press suit, and I have my nice <laughs> meal I made. I'm ready to wow them, right? So I walk in, you know, and in true performer mode, I'm able to get past the first round, get past the second round. Then we start having deeper conversations about, you know, cooking and what it means to me, things like that. And 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 lo and behold, I actually become the top five in Philadelphia to get on this show. And uh, while they're interviewing me with the other, like I could say 95 to 100 people to get on the show, the question they ask you is, what happens if you win the title of Master Chef? What will you do with that title? Yep, great question. And it is a great question. And I never thought about that. So here I am sitting in front of all the producers of this show, one of the finalists in the country to get on a TV show about cooking. Um, and I said, well, I don't really know what I would do with the title. It'd be really cool to get on TV. And you and could they, tell, like, the, the energy. that response, right? 100, yeah, they were like, <laughs> cut, cut, uh, start over. Say something else, say anything else. Right. And as soon as I said that I knew the energy was gone and, and where my failure was, was that I didn't think about winning the actual title of it. I didn't think about the, the authenticity of joining the show, about what it meant to me. I just thought, hey, I'd like to get on TV. 
and that was not in line with their goals, and, and I lost that opportunity because of that. Great lesson right there, 100%. I should have just, I should have just so, said, I, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start a food truck, and I'm going to travel the country right. with my beautiful food truck. And I'm going to share back with the community. That they would have appreciated. Yeah, I would have right? gone on. Yeah, You exactly. know, in this conversation, you'd be having this with a master right. chef. You never know. <laughs> listen, you're still a master chef to me. Don't worry about I'll it. I'll cook for you any yeah, day you there want. There you go. So, listen, we're gonna, I want to jump in so we can try to maximize our time here and give people cool. some great value. I have a two-part question which I think kind of is a good lead-in from what this background you just gave. I'd mm-hmm. like for the audience to kind of get an understanding of what exactly is business development, that's part A, and is it different than networking? Or is network maybe a part of business development? Because I think people generally think of networking, going to events, shaking hands, giving out business cards. So from a, from a thousand-foot view, what is business development? Sure. Um... In a, in, a, in, a, in, a, in a sentence, I would say business development is going out and finding people that can use your product or service. And how do you go out and find them? And the tactics that you do so to get hired users of your product or service is your business development, is your activity. I break it down into kind of two practices. And this is what I teach uh, our firm. So one of my initiatives at Friedman is leading our uh, Friedman University, which is our leadership program to teach younger accountants on how to start to develop business. Uh, as they're growing their career. So the two areas I would focus business development on is farming and hunting. It's the best way to put it to to where networking and prospecting and following a new client comes down into two processes, one being farming and then hunting. So when you talked about networking, uh, Josh, I would say farming uh, fits into networking the most is because if you're a farmer, Right. And, and, and your business is selling, I don't know, strawberries, let's just say. Right. In order for you to sell strawberries, you have to first find the land, if you will, uh, have your processes to make sure you're doing it as efficient as possible. And you're picking the strawberries at the right time so that you can take those ripened strawberries down to the market and sell them to your end user. So when, when you're farming and business development, the same type of thing is understanding, okay, what's my landscape look like? Who are the people that I should be networking with and planting seeds with? And over time, as the farmer's growing those, those, those strawberries, he or she is giving them the, the sunlight, the watering, you know, what they need to do to get those strawberries to market. So, in farming approach, what I do is I want to align myself with people who uh, uh, their goals are the same as mine. Uh, we are looking to achieve the same type of thing, whether we're working with the same type of clients or we are um, have similar services that we want to offer. Networking is, is, is in an authentic way, building relationships with people that you know, like, and trust that can refer you business as you're going. So that as you, both of your, you know, your, um, uh, opportunities rise you're keeping each other in mind so networking is absolutely a part of the farming the hunting is a little bit different where you know if i want to eat moose tonight i need to find out where the moose going in the forest and i got to position myself to be in front of that moose so when the, the the opportunity strikes itself i'm right in front of that that moose to be able to you know uh eat what you kill if you will so for me in professional services specifically you have to have an accurate combination of both farming and hunting to be able to have people out there uh, selling for you on your behalf as you're actively prospecting people you want to so, work with. All right. So that's a great introduction right there about how you go about it. Let me ask you this on the networking point, because I think this is something important to cover. Why do you think so many people fail at networking? 
or, or, you know, networking events turn out to be lackluster or people just start to lose the enthusiasm yeah. to do it. I think because when it's, it's inauthentic, you know, it's not, it's not something where you are, you know, it's forced where you're walking into a room of 300 strangers and, you know, you're expect to walk out with, you know, 30 business cards and get work from those people tomorrow morning. Now we're in a post COVID environment now where, you know, that, that, that longer the days where we're going to have that environment where you're walking into a room full of strangers. So when I think about networking, I'm not thinking about so much the, the name on the front of the Jersey per se, I'm thinking more about the name on the back. So for me, when I say, when I mean that is this, who is that person individually that you're talking to? What is the most important thing for them? You know, one of my first sales uh, coach taught me once. He said, Matt, everyone's favorite radio station is WIIFM. And I said, what's that? And he goes, oh, it's what's in it for me radio. <laughs> exactly. All about and themselves. All about themselves. So I learned early in an early age is that when I'm networking, you know, quote unquote, you know, I'm always making it about the other person. I'm trying to be more interested than being interesting. Um, so anytime I come across someone, whether it's, uh, you know, um, in person introductions at, a, at an event or even over a zoom or a phone call, I just want to be more interested about them so that when they leave that, that it, I'm leaving them with a, a memorable feeling of positivity. I think when we, when we meet someone new, the biggest fail someone can make is trying to sell them something 100%. right away. I agree with that. 100%. It's like, you know, Josh, it's like, say if I were, Say if I were selling cars, right, and you were going to buy a new car, and you walked up into my lot, and the first thing I did was, Josh, we're going to put you in a beautiful, you know, new Ford Mustang today. Right away, your guard is going to be up. You're going to be thinking that you're being sold to, and when you think you're being sold to, your guard goes up. You're actually not going to give me the true information about yourself or the information I need to be able to persuade you into the behavior that I want you to do. The other day, sales is just persuading someone to do the behavior that you seek for them to do. So if I come into it as, as inauthentic and too pushy or too aggressive, the other person's walls are going to go up and there's going to be a stronger filter of the information that they're sharing with me because it's going to be guarded. Absolutely. Right. My job in business development is to get you to lower your guard as quick as possible to feel comfortable around me and to have positive memories so that you do have no filter. You give me the true real information about you, your business, your, your, your goals, so that you and I can then now align to see if, it's, if it makes sense. Yep, for that's exactly yourself. right. And you know, it's, I, I'm, you, what you were talking about a little bit earlier, I'm always blown away when you go to a networking event and you meet somebody new and then literally they expect that you are going to have business for them right away when you have not even developed any sort of relationship, you know, nothing about their skill set, you know, nothing about their personality, you know, nothing about the other clients that they've dealt with or their reputation in the community. I don't know how you could even refer somebody to somebody like that until you've gotten to know them over a long period of time. And I think that comes down to the expectations that you set on yourself, uh, the peers that you're working with. You know, if you're working for a large or large organization, you know, your superiors, what they expect of you. And it's when you set those right expectations, uh, then you can be as confident as possible. Because, yeah, if you come into a relationship with your hand out, what, you, what can you do for me? You're never going to have any kind of success. It's more, you know, the age old term. What can I do for you? You know, how can I help support you? And that happens over time. I think the two big reasons why people refer someone else is they are educated on that referral, meaning they know exactly what to refer, how to refer, when to refer, right? Um, and the second part is that they're incentivized to refer. And the incentivization, I'm not talking about they get a commission of, of the sale, 
you know, that could be an element of, you know, your business if that's how you, 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 you draw up your model. Um, but for me, the incentive is they like right. me. You know, here's a, here's a real crazy thing. People say, Matt, you have zero accounting background. You did not go to school. You don't have your MBA. You did not go to school for accounting. How are you selling accounting services for a major organization like Friedman? And I say, people don't refer me because they're relying on my skills to be able to do the accounting work. They're relying on my skills because I'm a good person. They trust me. They know that I'm going to put them in touch with the best person in my firm based on all the parameters around the engagement. So they trust the fact that I'm going to do them exactly. solid. I'm going to do them good. And I think, I think that's really where the relationship foundation comes in at, is comes into trust, like, and then, you know, having the incentivization. Yeah, to I mean, in essence, you're not only are you selling Friedman and the skill level and the experience that Friedman brings to the table, but you're, you're selling yourself, right? I mean, people are investing in, in Matt Blank, knowing that if I send a referral to Matt, just like you said, I can trust him. He's going to guide me to the right uh to the right person within the organization who can handle what I need. Matt's going to follow up. He's going to stay in the loop. He's going to make sure I'm taken care of. I mean, that's, you're selling all that. Your, your, your package of yourself, you know, can come down to a mantra statement of something as simple as I do, as I say, I'm going to do, if I say I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it. And, and for me, that's what I live by. You know, my dad taught me at an early age. My dad made furniture growing up, right? I grew up in Northeast Philadelphia of humble means. My dad used to wake up at four in the morning to go to Aramingo Avenue and, and make furniture for a wholesaler. And he worked his butt off so that I could have a chance to go to college. Right. So that blue collar mentality that he taught me early in life, I apply now to the, you know, quote unquote, white collar world that I work in. And it comes down to really when someone refers me, they know that they're that, 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 the, that I'm going to do as much as I can to take care of that other person. Because at the end of the day, all we want to do is just feel like we're being taken yeah, care absolutely. of. Absolutely. You're 100% right. And you know what? It's, it's just like you said. It just takes time uh, to build that trust, to build those relationships. Um, and then it pays dividends. But you got you to gotta be willing to make the investment. It's not overnight. It's th- these things don't pan out overnight. Absolutely not. And, and my wife and I, you know, when we first started, uh, when we first got married, you know, we would go to different events and galas and, you know, there were, there were certain uh, friends that I knew just from like, you know, going to a normal chamber of commerce event. But I found, you know, one trick that, that worked for me was I really was strategic in the people that I surrounded myself with, not because I like them, you know, that we're at, we're at the same point of life. You know, we, we, we view the world in the same point, but it wasn't about just going to a networking event and putting on a suit and a name tag with them. It was, you know, I want to get to know their wives. So we would go out to dinner together. And I remember countless times my wife would say to me, oh, do we really have to go out, you know, dinner with this couple tonight? I just had a busy week. I really don't want to. And I said, listen, you know, we're going to have to eat anyway. Let's go out. Let's get to know them a little bit deeper. And over the course of time, some of those dinners that we did that even we maybe didn't want to do at the time because we had a busy week or we were tired have, have proved, you know, for very deep, meaningful relationships because, uh, you know, at the end of the day, we're only given X amount of time on this planet. You know, and if we can take that time that we spend to create those relationships with people, it's going to absolutely be fruitful, whether it be for business, fulfillment, yeah, relationships, uh, anything that's else. Absolutely right. I love that philosophy because you just don't know where it's going to lead. It might, and it may not even lead to business. Maybe it just leads to a great friendship with with another couple, and you end up vac- vacation together, you absolutely. spend time together. You, have, you know, they become important in your life in a different way. Your time that you have is the most it's the most valuable asset that you have. And for someone that might be listening now, that might be, you know, starting networking, you know, and, and thinking about where they can spend their time. The, the biggest advice I would be able to give is is to try to find that time that means something to you, so that when you're spending the time doing it, you're not just doing it for an inauthentic reason of just growing business. Um, 
you know, a way to do that would be, you know, find a find a not for profit that, that their mission really aligns with something that's true and meaningful for you. And whatever that not for profit is, you know, uh, you know, volunteer, join committees, meet people that are serving the same mission, because when you meet them in under the guise of, of this not for profit, you're able to find out who they are. Some of my best relationships have come from the not-for-profit sure, that work makes that I've done. makes a lot I've of done. sense. And I was going to, just to add to that, I was going to say, yeah. even around your interests, people, you don't necessarily have to go to these, you know, um, designated, so-called designated uh, networking events in, in your area. What about if you pick a hobby, whatever hobby you're in, go out and join a club that does that, and you're going to automatically meet people that have a similar interest as you. And there's an there's a initial point of connection to build a, a, that can serve as a foundation yeah. for a relationship. Yeah, the interest that you have that you share together that that that's what keeps the the, the relationship at least starts the relationship you know if, if you and i are both into softball and we play on the same softball team you know and i only see you sunday afternoons when you're on second base and i'm on first you know it only takes a matter of time before me to ask hey josh so i i know i see you on sundays but what do yeah, you do exactly. what do you do full-time oh i'm gonna turn you know, and then, then the relationship starts to grow. But if you lead in with a, hey, here's Matt. I work for an accounting firm. I know you're on second base right now, but call me anytime you have any tax needs. Like, uh, <laughs> you know, you're not going like to call me. Right there. Nobody wants to hear that. Oh, I there's know. so many people. I know. Nobody wants that. I know. I remember I'll just real quickly, and I won't mention who, who they were, but I met a person in the financial services industry that worked for a company. And basically, we met for coffee one time. And then he called me the next day and asked if we could get together and if I could, if I could bring him 10, 10 people from my network that I could connect him with that he could sit down and pitch his services to. And, and we literally had one cup of coffee before he asked that. So I was like, you know what, my yeah. friend, I think you're on the wrong track with this approach. <laughs> yeah, it's not going to – it's like it's like me coming to your door like, hey, excuse me, I have no, I have no place to go, but can you make me a turkey right. sandwich when I'm, I'm coming here? Can you <laughs> – I remember my, my, one of my first coffee meetings that I had a prospect there that, you know, I had full intentions of, of impressing that person. Uh, I totally flubbed. And it, this got me to my perfect coffee meeting. Please, Let, I'd love to hear it. share for a second? Uh, so, you know, people walk into a coffee meeting, you know, expecting to sit down in a half hour with a complete stranger and, uh, you know, and win them over to hire them or refer them or whatever you're intended at the end of the, of the coffee is, right? The, the challenge comes in at is that you have 30 minutes to put on a show per se and i'm not saying a show meaning you have to act or be a character but i mean show as in you have 30 minutes let's just say to get that person to uh uh to buy into whatever you're looking to sell and you're not necessarily selling the whole service or or, or the whole gamut in that 130 minutes your goal is to be very specific and to get that person to agree to something so here's how my perfect coffee meeting happens and it, and it, and it happened because of a stumble of an accident i was at a i was at a starbucks um in uh, Philadelphia, an old city. I don't know if it's still there or not. And I remember I was meeting this person. It was a, it was a cold February day. And I got there five minutes before the, the meeting started. And the only table that was available was the first table right by the front door, right? So I get there. I'm sitting at the table. He walks in. It's a, it's a busy morning. And we're waiting in line. Mind you, I've never met this person in person before. So as we're waiting in line, I'm trying to, you know, talk about how his weekend was. Did he find parking? Trying to build rapport <laughs> right. in that first, you know, yep. five minutes or so. While we're waiting in a long line, trying to figure out what we want to order, right? And, and, and then we got to the, you know, at the end, let me pay for it. I asked you to coffee. No, let me pay for it. You know, whatever. So here's my perfect coffee meeting scenario that someone can do to take those 30 minutes 
and make them the most meaningful for you. The first one would be before you get to the coffee meeting, have your research done about that, not only the organization, the person himself or herself, but also personally. You know, people cry about, you know, privacy issues, but they put a lot about their, their personal lives online. So check their Facebook, check their Instagram, you know, TikTok, whatever the social media platforms you want to to see what they're into. You know, I always like to have that information in the back of my mind so that I can develop a quicker way to connect with someone based on the interest that they put out. The other part is that let's just say you, Josh, and I have a meeting at 10 a.m. I want to get to that meeting no later than 930 because I want to be able to find the best seat in the house. I don't want to be stuck by the front door because every time that door opened that day in February, not only did the outside noise distract the other person, but it was so cold that no matter what I was saying at that time, as soon as that door opened, that person was, just, was distracted. And it, it might as well be like I didn't even say what I had to say. So uh, you want to get the best uh, seat you can because you want to minimize the distractions for the other person. And I always think the best seat is back by the, by the, uh, the bathroom somewhere or off, off you know, not, right. not by the front door, quieter. by the counter. Yep. A little quieter. You always want to sit facing out. So you want that, that you want to be the one that's facing outward towards the crowd and you want the other person to sit facing the wall because, again, you mm-hmm. want to minimize yep. distractions. So by, by, by you fit, uh, uh, physically selecting that seat facing outward, you're, you're sending the message that you want that person focused on you. You don't want someone to walk by you know, with, a, with a Raiders jersey from 1988 on, and that person happens to be a Raiders fan, and they're just totally distracted when you're hitting your money point of what you want to achieve. So find the best seat. But here's the best part about the whole coffee meeting. When you get there at 930, you find the best seat you can. And the reason you get there so early is that in case that seat's not available, you, you wait it out or you try sure. to figure out when you can get that seat. But what I do is the awkward part about a coffee meeting is you, don't, you can't buy this person a cup of coffee. You don't know if they drink coffee, tea, how they take it. So you can't do that. At the same time, you don't want to have to wait in line with them because this is not a, an awkward stance of how to build rapport with someone. So what I do, and I learned this from the book um, – how to Swim with the Sharks Without Getting Eaten Alive. I, I have, have not, book? but I've heard of it. Yeah. Harvey, yes, Harvey McKay. Yes. Um, There's a chapter where it talks about creating a private club experience. So when I go to that Starbucks, I find the best seat, but then I go up to the counter. I ask the, 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 the barista, I say, can I have a $20 gift card? And I'll buy a $20 gift card. I'll say, great. And can I have, with that gift card, can I have a, you know, a tall, whatever? I order my coffee. And I ask that person, I say, listen, can you help me? I'm meeting someone today that's really, really important, and I would love if you can help me make a good impression. Can you keep this gift card behind the countertop? And when that person arrives, I'm going to introduce you to them by name so that when they show up here to get the coffee, get them anything they want. Never talk about money. Just say it's all taken care of. Wow, I love that idea. So this way, when oh, and it works so perfectly. So let's just say you and I have our meeting, right? I get there early. I find the spot. I see you walk in. I come up. Hey, Josh, how you doing? How was your weekend? Good. Cool. Josh, let me introduce you to my friend, Tracy. Tracy, this is Josh, the person I was telling you about. Josh, uh, Tracy's a good friend of mine. She'll get you anything you want. I uh, have a sea force in the back. I'll see you when you get back there. Now you, Josh, walk in saying, whoa, this is first you feel class like you're a service. VIP. You Absolutely. can wait. That's right. And it cost me nothing more than the coffee that I would buy in a couple extra minutes. But all that comes down to is I have 30 minutes. I want that first minute and first five minutes of our interaction to be a positive one for you so that as we get to know each other, we're starting off on the right that's, foot. That's, I love that piece of advice. It, create, it sets the tone. It creates a nice mood, first-class service, and it makes an impression right off the bat. No one, no one ever does this kind of stuff. So it's the little things like that which can make a huge impression. 
And when I say conversationalist in my LinkedIn profile, it's really because I think about I think about every single interaction that you have with me should have a purpose to it. It should be it should have something that I'm getting to guide you into a, into deeper into the relationship with me. And it could come down to something as simple as, the, you know, the first impression. Right. You know, people always say there's no second first impression. A great exercise that I, that I have my team do is um, uh, is let's just say we're in a group format and I'll have that person introduce the, the, themselves to another person as the most unimportant person they've ever met in their entire life. So imagine you and I meet at a networking event, right? And I treat you as if you're not important. What are some things I'm going to do to make you feel not important? I'm going to give you lack of eye contact, a weak handshake. I'm not going to listen to what you say. You know, I may not have any energy or any confliction in my voice. Right. All right? true. Um, and the other thing, the other way to go about it is, okay, let's go the other extreme. Introduce yourself to that person as if they are the most important person you've ever met. They're your long-lost high school, you know, a friend that you play ball with that you haven't seen in 25 years, and, and treat them as if they are the most important person. And some of those things that go along with that are, you know, a big smile, a handshake. And again, this is all different now in the COVID world uh, as far as how you interact with someone. But treating them as if they're the most important person, that they're the only person in the room, is going to make them feel good when they're around you. And that starts in the very first impression that you have. That's excellent. Excellent advice right there, Matthew. I appreciate that. And I'm sure people are going to get a lot out of, out of that and how to make a first impression on a coffee meeting. I, um, so I want to know, as people are sort of building their network, here, here's the, the, the question I think that a lot of people have who are busy professionals and you have a home life, you have your work life. How do you find the time to main, not only maintain your existing relationships, but to grow, to grow your relationships um, and, and add more people to the mix and grow your network while also doing your day job. Yeah, uh, it's, it's definitely a hard balance and it's different for everyone. You know, I know for this past three months or so, you know, with being, you know, from home, you know, with, with, with my wife and my two daughters, uh, you know, is understanding that they are the most important part. Everything I do is doing it for them so that I'm positioning their lives to be, you know, as peaceful, tranquil, successful, fulfilled as possible, right? So, you know, I guess the, the first line I would say is knowing your end goal of why are you doing what you're doing. Knowing your why is the, is the most important. Simon Sinek has a great, you know, a great piece, and he talks about the, the power of why and knowing your why. Um, but when you know your why, your what has more impact and more purpose, so you're more fulfilled. Um, so I think that would be the first step. I, I remember back in, in, in 2016, right when I first started at Friedman, actually, um, you know, I was I was on career or as far on paper. My career was going very well. You know, I just had a daughter. We were living in a new construction home in Roxborough, but I wasn't happy, Josh. I was I was going to all these events and I felt like I was spinning my wheels because I wasn't you know, I felt like I was meeting a lot of great people and people said a lot of great things about me. But it wasn't it didn't mean anything to me when I got home at the end of the night. And I think what, what my, my lowest part, the lesson I learned from that is that I didn't really understand my why as much as I should have. And this could be just a, a thing of my, you know, my own maturity level or my own understanding of what's more important in the present moment, you know, where I was building to something that was always in the future. I was chasing a shadow, if you will. Uh, so by me slowing down and understanding what my why was, it made me have the ability to make those tough decisions on when to say yes right, and when exactly. to say no. Because there's, there's so many things that you could say yes to. And it's like every time you say yes to something, you're saying right. no to something else. And if I'm going to say no to my daughters, 
you know, uh, gymnastics practice because I'm going to go to this event. That event better be worth it. Yes. For me I not agree to go to more. that event. Having a family brings that stuff so really into focus more so than any other point in your life. Yeah, so that's that's the that's the high yeah. you know, make you feel good way of, of, of explaining it. Now, the the real the, the practical way of, of managing that, you know, frankly, is is really just being on top of that list of people who are important to me, identifying who those people are, and you know, per, you know, obviously, there's different CRMs that you can use based on your whatever organization you're working with. For me, it's something as simple as as an Excel sheet. You know, where I have my, my list of people that are the most important to me, and I and I have everything that I at notes about them. Last time we interacted, what their families' names are, what they're into, and I just have it all on paper. And every week or so, I'll, I'll actually book time for myself to go through that list and, and, and think about someone maybe I haven't talked to in a, in a month or two or someone who, who you know, uh, I owe a follow-up to. You know, I just want to make sure that I'm always on top of that because it's so easy. You know, going back to my farming reference, if I were to plant 10 lines of strawberries – Right. And and I'm not and I'm only watering eight of the 10 lines. Those extra two lines are eventually going to dry up and I shouldn't have planted those seeds in the first place if I didn't plan on watering them. So the, 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 the practical way is to not only schedule time to doing it, but having a purpose to when you're in your schedule time, you know, what you're. yeah, doing. I couldn't agree more with that. You, you definitely see that if you don't maintain your relationships, you let too much time pass. Things start to wither. You don't just you, you start to lose the, the connection. Not just in business. That goes for every relationship, just, but it's, you know, in business, you really see it. There's just only yeah. so much you can fit on your plate. And, you know, and if it's not worth it uh, to be on your you plate, then, move it, it off. you know, then move it off. Yeah. You got to move it off. And I've, there's been relationships that I've had that, you know, where they're good people. It's just, you don't have enough time in the day to do it. So you have to be really tactical uh, in how you do it. Another way to think about it is that, you know, the, your, you, those lists of those people, you know, uh, are, are kind of like your, you know, the top people, the ones that you talk to, you know, I'm sure the same thing for you. You know, you're probably in text groups with a lot of different people. You talk to people weekly, daily, and there's probably some people that you don't talk to for right. six months. Yep. Right. Um, the people that are most important to you, you're going to make that time for. Um, and the best, I guess, analogy I would say is, uh, uh, you know, imagine a big parking lot for like a superstore. Let's just say uh, Target and you have a huge open parking lot in Target. Imagine if Target could could reserve the spots in the very, very front for the people that are going to spend the most money in their store. Yep. Imagine if, if, if things were different where, as opposed to the handicapped spots being in the front, imagine if there was a sign that says, if you sp- plan on spending $200 or more today, you can park here. Imagine if they could do that. Obviously, they can't. But we, we can in the sense of understanding who's important to us. So our parking spots, our best parking spots, are the ones that we're going to give our time to, the people that matter the most to us, because we know that we're either going to get the most, most fulfillment from them, meaning they make us feel good when they're around us, you know, uh, they, they, they're positive influence on our lives, or they refer us. They're the ones that get the most amount of time. The people that are parked all the way in the back for us in our relationships are the people that maybe we just first met. We don't really know too much about them yet to dedicate as much time as them. Or maybe they're not a part in their career where you know they are are going to be a good referral source for us or a client for us, but there's still someone worth us sure. investing some sure. time in. Correct. And I think you know what I've noticed that's worked well for me over the years. It's it's consistency, and this is probably the hardest thing to to stay on top of. But you you have a plan, like you said, you your strategy is you carve out some time each week to review your list, reach out to people you haven't spoken to a while, in a while. Something that's worked well for me over the years is I try to have at least three one-on-one meetings each week in person. So whether it's coffee, lunch, grab a quick drink, I try to just set the goal of I'm going to meet, meet with three people in my 
close group each week to stay, you know, to, keep, to stay in touch, to keep the relationship going, to check in on how the other person's doing, what I can do to help them. And that sort of benchmark keeps me very consistent with it. Do you, and, and when you're done those three, do you feel like you feel like you've achieved I, yeah, your goal for the week? Yeah, because it's really hard to even get to three, considering all everything else you're trying to yeah. do in a given day, get your work done, go through emails, make family time. To even get three in a week for me, uh, I feel like is a great goal. So if I hit it, I'm, I'm happy. It's like uh, when I had my goal of uh, waking up at 5 a.m. and going yeah, and working how, out. How long did that last? I have five days a week. Yeah, five <laughs> days a week I'm going to do that. Okay, four right, days a week. Right, okay, exactly. one time a month. All right, cool. That is a great goal <laughs> a lot of people have. You can hit that goal and very impressed. It's, it's, yeah, but it's, yeah. It's, it's so yeah. easy to hit snooze, you know? Um, and, and if you hit snooze too many times you're and out. you're dipping into the ice cream yeah. too many times a night, you're, you know, you don't, you're not going to be good. go the other way for sure. Are you, are you one of these people, totally. are you a big believer of in-person meeting versus phone or Zoom or something else? Do you believe that most meetings have to be done in person? Uh, I personally think that the, uh, there's different degrees of, of the meeting, meaning what success looks like for you. If I'm meeting you for the first time and, and I don't know too much about you and I'm meeting you because someone referred you, you know, to me uh, and, and you're not a client, you know, an initial Zoom meeting might be, be fine or a phone call. I look at the layers of, of the time I'm going to spend and the engagement is going to be based on, on what I want to see come out of it. So, yeah, in, in person gives you more tools to view uh, uh, the messages that the person is sending, meaning nonverbals, how they sit, what they're wearing, but also gives you more of a chance to uh, uh, dive deeper uh, where in Zoom, you know, you're really only looking at a small window of a box on your on your computer screen. So you got to get a little more creative in, in the signs that you're seeing um, from them right. or even worse when you're on the phone because you're not seeing how they're reacting right. to what you're saying. Um, you know, a Zoom, a Zoom example would be, you know, when you're going to make a good point or you're really going to try to connect with the person. Too many times people look at the other person's face on the Zoom. But if you look at your face while you're doing that, your eyes are down, meaning it's below the camera line and you're not really connecting with the camera. Like imagine if you were watching TV and the person as they're speaking into the camera is looking down, you know, at the, at the cameraman's shoes. Um, you know, it's going to feel different than being in the camera. Um, yeah. In person, though, I feel like obviously is the best way to be able to, to have all those verbal and nonverbal communication messages you're sending come together in the right time. When I said conversationalist in my in my LinkedIn thing, you know, what it brings me to, you know, I look at, 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 at business development as kind of like a conversational sport. And the best people that are that are the best uh, uh, BD people are the ones that are the most consistent, as you said earlier. Um, and, and, and I'll take any sport. Uh, and, and the best athletes are the ones that have the best routines, that right. are the most prepared, that are the ones that are the most consistent. And they're the ones that are constantly right. winning the championship. And I, I, you mentioned a, a book. Or you've, re you've read Never Eat Alone? Never yeah. Eat Alone was a great it one. Was that was great, one of my personal right? I read, love actually. that book. Yeah. And I, one of the main messages in that book, which I think is really smart – it talks about how if you want to if you want to really deepen a relationship, try to go out and do an activity with the person. Like for example, I know you're a huge golfer. Take someone golfing. Go go on a bike ride with someone. Take someone out of the coffee. I mean, the first time maybe you're going to do a coffee meeting, but as you get to try to take the relationship to the next level, go out and do something active with the person, or uh, you know something where you share a common interest, because that's really where you get to see someone let their guard down. Yeah, when when they, when they have that experience with you, 
right? And the experience isn't just exchanging right. words back and forth. The experience is doing something on top of it. Yeah, all the, the best relationships I have now, there has been some sort of experience that I've had. That's why experiential marketing really picked a lot up in the, in, you know, in the last 10 years when people would go to a conference or they would go to some sort of events or something where they're physically taking their body to. They needed an experience to walk away with to remember, you know, uh, where you used to go to a conference and, and people would get all the, you know, the tchotchke items right. on the tables. It's more important now to have an experience to get someone to come to your table, not just having a, you know, a, a, a company branded rubber duck or something like that. <laughs> the you know? experience really leaves an impression on people's minds. They don't forget. They, they do yeah, not absolutely. forget. So as we wrap up here, I just want to ask you, what's any big goals for Matthew Blank uh, for this coming, the rest of the year before year end? Uh, on the business development side for Freeman, anything you're truly trying to tackle and accomplish? Yeah, the, the most important thing that I'm looking to accomplish from a BD perspective is, you know, we are now in a, in a new world when it comes to developing business, and we have to be able to adapt to a lack of, of uh, human social interaction face-to-face, -face. you know, so where before I would, you know, three, two, three times a week, I'd be going to different events, uh, you know, that, those events aren't happening anymore. Uh, you know, as the date is currently today, you know, June 24th, uh, you're starting to see, I think, a lot of people getting Zoom fatigue uh, where, you know, the, the when you're first getting the, hey, let's come to this happy right. hour. Oh, it's so cool. I'm sitting in front of my laptop and I'm having a drink with people, you know, like that is not uh, uh, people don't anymore. Um, and and so my biggest goal is to uh, research, find ways that people can still create these meaningful relationships, meaningful experiences further their relationships in a new world where you're not having that interaction face to face. That's, you know what? And I'd love to follow up with you on that coming in the next few months. Cause I, that's, that to me, I think is going to be the biggest challenge. Cause for me, most of my business is referral driven, which is based on my relationships. I haven't had coffee or lunch or anything with anybody in three months. And I'm trying to pick up the phone as much as I can and stay in touch with people. But I think that what you were just talking about is going to be the, the key here for the, for the remainder of the year is how to continue to connect with people when we can't really get together with them. And the, and the people when they're out, right. And when they're talking to their clients, right. Uh, and they're talking to their people, you want them, if something comes up that says, Hey, I'm not really happy with my counsel, or I'm thinking about making a change in here. You want them saying, Oh, you have to call my buddy, Josh. He's the best at what he does. He'll absolutely take care of you. Right. So we have to make sure that we remain at the forefront of their mind. Uh, from an education standpoint of helping them see the differences and how they can adjust their clients' needs, but uh, getting back to the education and the incentive piece. And the incentive piece is they like you, they want to see you be successful, uh, and they want their people to be taken care of. Yeah, absolutely. And, and we're all in this together right now. So everyone's sort of in the same boat, facing the same issue. So we really need to just stay connected and help each other. Yeah, uh, and I think the, the biggest thing to do with that is, is to just you know, remain present in the moment you know, and understanding where you are currently, what value you can add to people, how you can help and, and, and know at the end of the day, you know, what your why is, because when you combine all those three things together of uh, your, what's your house, but when you really know that why and your why is connected to the other person, a lot of great things can happen. Absolutely. One other quick thing before I let you run, what's your take, yeah. what's your take on asking satisfied clients to connect you with other people that could, that, could become potential customers. I love it. I think it's that they're the they're the best referral sources for you. You know, it's it's how do you create a client? And I and I forget the, the name of the book, but it was how do you create? I think it's called Raving Fans, um, where you you can get that person to go out and sing your praise to all the people that they know, 
or at least give you people that they know that could also use your services. The way I position those um, conversations, it's difficult, right? Because you, 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 you want to ask for something that feels inauthentic to ask, right. but you know how important it is, that question. And getting back to my sports reference for a second, for beginner ping pong players, the goal for us is to keep the ball on the table, right? As beginners, right? We, I just want to put it to you, serve it to you, you come back to me, right? That, imagine going back and forth. But the expert ping pong players understand of how to take the ball and how to take the shots to get the other player to be in a vulnerable position so that they can, you know, hit their kill shot, if you will, right? right. So in the business development connection world, what I, how I would relate that to is when you're on the phone with one of your, you know, happy clients, you know, one of the things that's, that's, that's a great way to get them to open up is for you to be vulnerable, to say, listen, you know, let's just say it's you and me, Josh. Hey, Josh, listen, uh, uh, just, just check in. How's everything going? You're happy with us? Everything good this so far? So, for, yeah, everything's great. Cool. Listen, I really need some help from you. One of my goals this year that really got rocked a lot because of COVID was to, was to grow my area in XYZ. I'm wondering, you know, do you know anybody in this world? It would mean a lot to me if you can help maybe make an introduction or if you know anybody that might be able to use my services. But by starting with the vulnerability, you're getting that person to hook in because they're already happy with you. You're asking that question and you're also asking them to, 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 to join your team deeper than they were in the past as just being a paid customer. Now they're really here on your on your you know, your wagon to help you propel your, your business to the next level. I think that's hard for a lot of people to do, but I agree it has to be done. You do, you do feel, to put yourself in that position, it does feel like, almost like a position of weakness, in a sense. Like, you feel like you're telling a client, I'm not that, hey, I'm not that successful, or I'm not as successful as I want to be. When reality, that's not, that's not the reality, but it just kind of has that initial feel to it. Yeah. But I think you have to put yourself And that's okay. There. I yeah. think that's a fear, right? That's, yeah. a, that's a place of uncomfort. And yes. when you're in that place of uncomfort that person's going to sense the uncomfort because you've specifically asked them, do you mind if I be vulnerable with you for a second here? Yeah. Yeah, sure. What, what's up? Right. Yeah. By getting that permission, you're asking them to walk into this vulnerable room with you. Yeah. And if they see that you're okay with being vulnerable now, also you're asking them, are you happy with everything we're doing? Is there anything we could be doing better for you? Right. Yeah. Two things happen. One, you're, you're doing kind of quality control in your own relationship to make sure that you're not missing the boat on, uh, you know, might not be happy with so you're asking those questions but you're leading in you know your kill shot in the ping pong is to get them to say i want to help you uh let me think about some people that i can make introductions to you for and then obviously them twofold getting two things out of it and uh smart strategy as all your strategies are matt yeah all your strategies are smart it's what i love about the way you approach things Uh, oh man everything i you know definitely learning life experiences have gotten me to to make Good, good experiences and bad, but have also gotten me to think about, again, at the end of the day, okay, I need to be present in the moment. And my coach now, uh, he helps me a lot. He said uh, one of his great lines is slow down and speed up. And he makes a, a racing reference is that when a race car driver is turning the corner, they're slowing down so that when they hit the straightaway, they can speed up faster than their competitors. So when we as business development or professionals look at our own lives, the straightaways are easy to, to, to hit the gas and go. It's really hard to understand when to pump the brakes, slow down, remove yourself from the situation and be more strategic right. than just exactly. going in and Have acting. a game plan and a roadmap. Very key and very important. By yeah. the way, I can't wait to use your coffee totally. move the next time I have a meeting. I'm going to do the prepay with the gift card. It's going to be I, great. I expect I'm you gonna... to use it on me. So I, I want to see. I'll do that. No, I'm going to have to take you for fine dining to pull that move off with you. You're already used to the coffee. Yeah, I saw... I saw someone do this the other day, uh, you know, getting back to the experiences. 
you know, instead of sending someone like, hey, let's have lunch and sending them like an Uber Eats gift card, they literally like sent tacos to their house. Um, it was one of the, it was a, like a blog I'm on. The guy sent a video of what he did. He not only sent tacos to, the, to his client's house to, you know, have like a Taco Tuesday with him. He sent a full ma- mariachi oh band God. to play when the tacos were it. arrived. So That's the guy's great. family comes out. That's, it was hilarious. Creative, which is what you got to do these days. Very smart. Yeah, there's, there's a Gary V. Gary V has a uh, has a has a cool story he told on, on a pod. Uh, it was a podcast or a presentation that he gave, where I guess someone bought um, wine from him when he started his wine store, his e-commerce store, and um, the guy was on Twitter, the customer saying he loved um, he loved Jay Cutler, the yeah. the, the quarterback. Yeah. I think he was for the Broncos at the time. So Gary V, you know, in the in in his earlier days in wine, he tells his marketer send. Buy a, a signed Jay Cutler jersey from eBay. Send it to that customer, and you know, say, "Hey, thanks for the order of wine. We saw you're a big Cutler fan. You know, here's a jersey as a gift from us. What a great you know, idea! Thank you. Right. So that, what, you're right to give, go the extra mile for that person, right? So that you know, a couple. The, the point of story: a couple months go by, and the, the person never reaches out. And Gary's like, "Wow, he's not even gonna thank me for the, the, the random act of kindness that we did." Um, but then he gets this massive wine order come over, huge wine order, and the, and the comments in the order say. Um, you know, I, re- I was referred to you by my buddy, you know, X, whatever his name was. He told me about the Jay Cutler jersey you sent. Uh, number P.S. I love your red burgundy selection. You have great wine. P.P.S. I'm a huge Bruce Springsteen <laughs> fan <laughs> or something like that. Right. Exactly. <laughs> That's great, though. But the point yes. of that was that that person put the personal yep. information out there. Gary V's company took that information, listened, and then went yeah. the extra mile to create an That's experience great. for someone, which created a That's raving all. fan. That's- so. That's cool, a great cool story. story. Matt, I can't thank you enough. May, let the people know, how can, how can people connect with you or find you if they want to reach out? Sure. Uh, uh, you can reach me on, on, on LinkedIn, Matthew Blank, Friedman LLP. Um, that's probably the easiest way. I'm, I'm there every day. But if not, you can uh, get my contact information from Josh. And I'm, I'm happy to help and have a conversation with anybody that I can because I think part of the reason why I was put on this earth is to, is to connect people together and help them. And this is something I'm truly passionate about. Um, so anyone who has uh, any needs, feel free to hit me up, but I'm Matt, happy to help. Thank you so much for jumping on the podcast. I know you gave us a lot of time today, all great information. I'm sure everyone's going to love it. And I just wanted you to know how much I appreciate you've always looked out for me. You know, this is just a bonus with the podcast, but you've been great in, in making introductions for me and referring clients to me. And, and I want you to know how much I appreciate it. I appreciate you, Josh. Thanks for the time today. And, well, and we'll have you back in on. the future for something else. All right. Can't wait. Great job. Can't First wait. time. Great right, job, cool. Matthew Blank. I know. First timer. <laughs> Thanks, right, man. I appreciate it. Soon. Thanks, everybody. All right. Bye-bye. See you. Bye-bye.